Well, hello, and welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Susan DeCenzi. In today's episode, we're really going to dive into that scary, scary thing called surrender. And it's really about the detachment and surrender in order to choose happiness. And I know that's pretty controversial because it's kind of like, choose happiness. What do I do if I feel depressed or if I feel anxiety-ridden? How can I choose happiness? That makes it sound like it's a blaming, right? Like if you're not happy, it's because you're not choosing it. And that is not at all what I'm talking about, especially as a licensed therapist and coach. I know all too well how hard it is for people to quote unquote choose happiness when that is what they desperately, desperately want. And so today we're going to dive into how to really surrender and detach from the stories and our narratives so that we can find the ways to choose happiness when we can in the ways that we can that suit us. So as you listen in to today's show, I hope that you take away some beautiful tips and strategies for yourself on how to really begin surrendering and detaching so that you can ultimately choose the happiness that you desire and want for your own life. I hope you enjoy today's show, and I'll see you on the other side. Wow, 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 what a loaded episode. And it's loaded, again, because like I said in the beginning of the show, it's not a question of, hey, just choose happiness, pull yourself up by your big boy, girl, or pants, and just choose happiness. What the hell? Why aren't you happy? You know, it's kind of like those commercials I've seen on TV for some online therapy work where they say, oh, it's not helpful when people just tell you, hey, go do something that makes you happy. Be happy. You'll be fine. And it really is kind of like that, right? That that it is not a question of can you just choose happiness in order to kind of diminish your depressive thoughts and feelings, the anxieties that you feel, the stress that you feel? Is it really that simple? Well, the answer is kind of yes and kind of no. The reality is, is that when we are attached to the stories of our lives, meaning the experiences that we've had, the traumas that we've faced, all of the different expectations that we hold, all the meanings that we have learned to give things, essentially the conditioning we've all experienced, it is very difficult to then essentially detach from those stories, those narratives, that conditioning, and simply surrender into this place of empowerment, into this place of, I have control over my own thoughts and feelings. And it's difficult because, you know, again, I've, I'm sure I've said this on other episodes, and I'll repeat it as long as I'm breathing. The average, they say, is that we have about 60,000 thoughts per day, of which we only remember, maybe, if we're lucky, 10% of that, which would equate to 600 thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, and I've said this so many times, my husband teases me how I have this amazing memory, and I couldn't even tell you the 600 thoughts I have in a day. I know there are countless thoughts that flitter through my head, but if I'm not paying attention to them or giving them any conscious awareness, then I really couldn't remember and tell you what they are. But that doesn't mean that some of those thoughts aren't depressive in nature or anxiety-ridden in nature or even stressful in nature. So when I'm feeling 
sad or down or blue or depressed or anxiety-ridden or stressed or trauma-triggered or triggered into any negative or intense emotion, it's not that simple to just say, oh, hey, detach from it, surrender into your place of you know, divine empowerment within, and choose happiness. It is not at all. I wouldn't be in business as a therapist if it was that simple, because then me and others like me who kind of teach these things or offer these things up, you'd all be empowered. Listening right now, you would be like, oh, I got this. And it's not that simple. And it's not that simple because we get very, very attached based on the conditioning of our lives and our experiences to put very specific meanings into our experiences that then are part of the narrative story that gets created that gets looped and replayed over and over. And I've said it before and I'll say it again. It's essentially like that play button on the tape recorder is stuck in the down position and it just keeps replaying and replaying that story all over again. So for example, if I am struggling with feeling sad. Okay, let me think of a good example here. Let's say that you get fired from your job or you get laid off from your job. And I believe I talked about this last episode or in recent episodes, I used an example like that. But in this case, for today's episode, let's say that you lost your job and now you are starting to worry about your finances and you are feeling personally kind of let go from the job, like like somehow you getting dismissed from the job or laid off meant that you weren't a good enough employee or that you didn't do a good enough job or they didn't like you. All right, well, part of that is our ego struggle that says, I want to be liked and I need and I'm looking for that feedback, that approval, that validation, that awareness, that acceptance, that tolerance, that approval. And now because I got fired, that must mean that I wasn't doing a good enough job. And other people who might lose the same job, let's take, I won't say their name, but a very popular search engine who laid off a bunch of people and a very popular social media company that has laid off a lot of people. Let's say in one of those instances, you're seeing multiple people being let go from the same company. Well, it's not that you're all have done a bad job or that you were all not good enough. But yet some people might take it and see it through that lens, like, hey, they just did this mass layoff. So, you know, just unfortunately, I was one of those that got caught up in it. And that's the way it is. And they just kind of move on and say, well, maybe it's an opportunity for growth here. Maybe this means that there's an opportunity for me that's on the other side of this that I would not have seen or looked for had I not been laid off. So they're looking at it through a more positive perspective. But then there are others who are looking at it from a very negative perspective, like it had to be me or they wouldn't have targeted me. I wouldn't have been included in that mass layoff if I had done a better job. Why didn't I Why didn't I not take that day off? Why did I not take that vacation? Why did I, you know, wait too long to answer that email? All kinds of scenarios that your mind will start racing with that kind of indicates it's about me internally. And so it's like, well, why can one person look at it through the positive lens, like, oh, hey, there's this opportunity now to grow. And the other person might look at it from an internal place that says it's got, it had to do with me, or it's got to do with 
you know, some way that I was an employee that wasn't enough. And that is based on kind of the experiences that we've each had that then take a look at how, what lens and how to view that situation through which lens. And so when I talk about detaching and surrendering, it isn't that you become so vulnerable that you're willing to just surrender to whatever happens out there in the world day to day, which would be incredibly unsafe in some respects if you held that attitude. The surrender and the detachment that I'm talking about is the ability to go from that very negative internalizing place that it must be about me and it has something to do with me individually to the very externalized place that says, oh, they were doing a mass layoff and I happen to get caught up in it. Because I happen to know that even in some of these mass layoffs that have been happening with different companies recently, there are very top level people that have been included in that layoff as well. And they have done an amazing job and they put in a countless amount of hours and they basically kind of live for the job. And yet they've still been caught up in the layoff or the firings as well. So it really isn't about what we do. It's about how we view things. And so it's really kind of that perspective. So you say then, well, how do I really kind of manage when I'm feeling very depressed and sad about something. It seems like every time I try to take those two steps forward, I get pushed 10 steps back, and I feel like I can never really get any momentum to move forward in my life and have the things that I want or have it flow or or be the way I want it to be. It's got to be me then, right? And yet it isn't about you individually in that way. It's about the conditioning that you've experienced that has led you to view things through that lens. And so when you're beginning to learn how to detach and surrender and really tap into that place of personal power within, it's about looking at the outside circumstances and situations and not having it mean anything about you personally. And so let's take my assaults, for example. It would have been very easy as I was growing up and dealing with assault number one through six from ages five to age 28. It would have been very easy, which I did do throughout my youth and my teenage years. I very much looked at it as something about me, that there was something about me that was attracting this. There was something about me that was inviting this. There was something about me that somehow I deserved this horrible treatment and I deserved these horrible experiences. And when the last assault happened at age 28, and I really went into a tailspin, my marriage was falling apart, well, it had been falling apart, but then my marriage really became, it it kind of came to the crux of the end, as you all know the story, a couple weeks after the last assault, when my ex-husband said something that cut me to the core, and I wrote that suicide note, it was that suicide note that caused me for the first time to really recognize that it had nothing to do with me personally, that it wasn't about me. I wasn't giving off some vibe or aura or energy that said it was okay to assault me. I was not inviting it. I did not engage in activities or behaviors that invited it in. There was nothing I was doing other than not trusting sometimes my own instincts that I I could have listened to back then, but out of fear that if I did listen to my instinct, it could be perceived as judgment 
I chose not to listen to my instincts. And the truth is, for a long time, I blamed myself. And when I was in my own therapy and dealing with my therapist, especially in those early years, it was very clear that I was doing a lot of self-blaming for not having listened to and trusting that instinct that told me, especially the night of the last assault, that something was very wrong with this individual and that something very bad was going to happen. Again, because I was afraid to appear as though I was judging him based on just what I thought back then was my own fear of the previous assaults, that somehow I'm being suspicious or I'm being you know, too judgmental or I'm, I'm projecting my own fears and past experiences onto this situation and onto him and other people that, oh, that's not fair. He hasn't given me any indication that there is this thing going to happen, this bad thing going to happen. And so I dismissed my gut. I dismissed my gut intuition, my gut feeling that said, there is something wrong with this guy in this situation. But I didn't trust it when really I was trusting it, but I didn't listen to it out of fear. And so through my own therapeutic work, especially in those early years, I recognized that my fear of not listening to my intuition that night, that fear that had kicked in, that had caused me to not hear it, was about my past conditioning that I was afraid to be seen as someone who was judging. As opposed to when I learned how to detach from the story of that, and I learned to really just trust my instinct and my gut feeling, even when that little fear might creep in that says, oh, you don't want to project this onto this situation. It's not fair. You need to, you need to just, you know, push that away. I surrendered. I gave in to the fact that I had this gut instinct and it was very strong. And I trusted and I surrendered that that feeling was real. And I detached from the old stories about what I thought that might mean or how it might appear to others. And I went with my instincts from that point forward. And the truth is, it has never steered me wrong since. But it took a number of years and and a lot of talking and a lot of reflecting and a lot of self-awareness for me to get to a place where I could really begin to pick apart those old conditioned stories and pieces that I could really then surrender into and let go of. So when I talk about this place of surrender and detachment, it's really about your self-awareness level. It's about your willingness to dive within and take a look at the things that you're afraid of, take a look at the things that trigger you, take a look at the things that mean something to you, and question, are they really things that are important to you? because they're a part of who you are and a part of your heart, mind, body, and soul? Or are they parts of your past life and experiences that have taught you to believe or think or feel that way simply because? Because mom or dad said it was a good idea or because society said it's what you should do. And this is really honestly where a lot of the shoulda, woulda, couldas come into play because when we believe that we are living our lives based on the expectations of those around us that we then own as our own expectations for ourselves, but they really don't feel good and they really don't feel right for us, but we do them anyway because we think we should or we're supposed to. 
it's at that point that we are attaching to the stories and the narratives and the past conditioning to the expectations and the shoulda, woulda, couldas and the supposed tos, as opposed to trusting our own heart, body, mind, and soul and taking a look within to see if that is truly who we are and what we want and not because somebody said we should. I cannot tell you how many times, especially as a therapist, I have clients who believe that they should stay together in a marital or relationship situation simply because of the children. There's children or there's a home they purchased together or there's finances that they have shared and they just they're too afraid to quote unquote start over. They're too afraid to let other people down. They're too afraid to upset family. And they are terrified that somehow it will negatively impact the children if they break up or they divorce. And yet I can also tell you how many, I can't really tell you how many clients, it's countless numbers of clients that I have seen through the years that have come to me as teenagers or young adults or 30, 40, 50 somethings who say things to me like, I wish my parents would have divorced or I wish they would have broken up. And I'll be honest with you, to this day, 26 years into this part of my career, I'm still shocked, shocked when they say things like that. Now, I'm not really shocked because I've heard it so many times before, but I guess it's still kind of heartbreaking and shocking because there are still so many people out there that are in relationships they really aren't happy in and do not want to be in. But because of the shoulda, woulda, couldas and the supposed tos, because of the conditioning and the past experiences and those in their lives, whether it's of a religious nature or a cultural nature or an ethnic nature, whether it's because of a familial nature, they believe that they are supposed to stay for the children and that somehow the children will be more damaged and will be more hurt and devastated if the parents walk away. And I can tell you that when working with these people over all these years, the single thing that is always understood is that these people recognize that had they had access to two healthy parents, healthy individuals who were happy, empowered, living their own lives, even albeit separately, they realized they would have had access to these two people and had a better role modeling for how to have healthy relationships or how to stand in an empowered place or how to have their own voice and stand up for who they are and what they want and set their own boundaries. But because they watched these people in their lives, their parents or others in their lives who stayed together for essentially the quote-unquote wrong reasons, they were not role-modeled that healthy relationship or that ability to be empowered and use their voice and stand up for themselves. And so they grew stressed and anxiety-ridden and depressed and sad and angry and frustrated and so many other emotions that then when their own lives were unfolding and things were happening in their world, it became difficult to manage. And they would seek out someone like me to kind of help guide them through how to stand in that place of their own power, their own identity of who they are, regardless of what they saw on the outside world. So it seems a little confusing because on the one hand, I'm, I'm saying it's not about you. So when 
you are surrendering and detaching, you need to look at the situation. But this is kind of a perfect example of both, where let's say this 25-year-old comes to see me because they don't have an understanding of healthy relationships. And as I just explained, their parents stayed married, and what they witnessed growing up was a lot of fighting, a lot of yelling and screaming, no affection whatsoever, no I love yous, no holding hands. Even when they tried to do things as a family, there was a lot of tension and stress between the parents. And this 25-year-old is now struggling to figure out how to have their own healthy relationship because they don't really know what that looks like. And so they're very attached because on the one hand, they know that their parents, quote unquote, should have divorced. But because that's all they've ever known, they're kind of attached to the fact that this is how they believe relationships typically go. Now, they know that that's not true down deep in their heart because they have seen others in their lives, maybe their friends or other family members, who have had healthy, happy relationships. But because they themselves have not experienced it directly, and they grew up in a family where that was the way it went, they are kind of attached then on a subconscious and unconscious level to that, and they ultimately end up kind of picking partners where they are repeating the same patterns, where there is a lot of disagreement, there's a lot of disconnection, and there's a lot of fighting, essentially. And then they come to me going, I don't understand why I keep picking the same kind of person. And I don't understand why I can't just have a healthy relationship. There's got to be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm commitment phobic, or I'm not interested in having a real relationship. Maybe I just want casual relationships. And all kinds of thoughts are racing through their head, and all kinds of feelings are, are flowing through them. And they're coming to me to kind of get guidance and some clarity on what's really going on. Well, this is a perfect case then, where they are a bit attached to the stories and the narratives of their past experiencing, that conditioning they grew up with, that is actually like a bit of a comforting blanket to them because it's something known and something they're used to, even if it's negative and not healthy, just like I talked about in the comfort zones last week. And at the same time, they inherently know that it's not good and it's not ideal and it's not the reality of how relationships, quote unquote, should be or could be. And so they get caught then between their expectations and those of others around them. They get caught in that past conditioning. They get detached from the hope that there will ever be something different because so far that's all they've experienced. And yet they know they need to shift and change something, but they're not sure what. So this is a beautiful example of how they can begin detaching and surrendering in order to choose happiness. All right, so then let's take a look at this 25-year-old. And this 25-year-old, what would I offer up to, to him? Let's just say it to him. I would tell him and I would offer up to him that it's important for him to first know himself. Like, what does he look for in an ideal partner? And I don't necessarily mean color of hair or eyes or height or weight, but that's part of it. But it's what are the qualities that you want to see in an ideal partner? First and foremost, though, most importantly, even before we got to that, I would want him to know himself. And so I would ask the question, as I have said to you multiple times on this show, 
answer the question, who am I without the roles that I play? And that who am I question is so, 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 so difficult for most people to ask and answer because they think it's all tied to the roles that they play. So many people believe that their identity is centered around the roles that they play. And that makes it very, very difficult then to detach in from, you know, from those stories and really surrender into your own personal power, into what your own heart, mind, body, and soul wish for, want, desire, hope for. And so as an example, again, of answering who am I without the roles that you play, I will answer a few of who am I. I am music. I am poetry. I am love. I am compassion, I am integrity, I am authenticity, I am compassion, I am laughter, I am dance, I am song. Do you get it? That's just a few of who I am at the core. Those are the parts of me that cannot not be that. And so as I've shared before, if I'm at a grocery store and I'm bebopping down the aisle with my cart and there's music playing over the loudspeaker and my body feels like moving because anytime I hear music, my body just wants to start moving and my heart just feels light like I want to dance and I want to sing. Doesn't matter if I have a good voice or not. I will, even in the grocery store, start bebopping a little bit, holding on to my cart as I'm walking down the aisle because I don't care what other people think. It's not about what they think I should be doing in a grocery store. It's about what I am choosing to do and be. So answering that question, who are you without the roles that you play is so critical and paramount to then beginning to understand how to detach from the conditioning that you've experienced in your past, how to detach from the meanings of all the past experiences you've had, the role of victim, the role of survivor, the role of wife, mother, father, brother, sister, daughter, friend, employee, entrepreneur, like God, the list is endless. Who are you at the core? What makes you feel alive and juiced? Begin to come up with those sets of understandings and awarenesses for yourself about who you are at the core. Then you can start looking at what do you like about yourself? What are the qualities that you hold? that you love and like about yourself? And what are the qualities or traits about yourself that you aren't so crazy about, that you feel could be improved upon or could be addressed or looked at? Are you jealous? Are you insecure? Do you feel worthy? Do you feel valuable? Do you feel deserving? Do you feel loving? Do you feel loved? And that can start to help you understand where some of these conditioned pieces have come from, especially if they're negative, like you don't feel very loved or you don't feel very worthy or deserving and you keep going to that place that when bad things out there happen or the other shoe drops, you go, yep, yep, see, yep, yep. I mean, that's typical. The other shoe always drops. It's what always happens to me. Well, that's a bit of the victim mindset. It's a bit of the victim stance. And so take a look at where else in your life do you feel like you're a victim? Or do you feel like bad things always happen? Because the truth is, nothing always happens or never happens. The always and the never don't really exist. And that's a way to begin understanding what those triggers are and what those pieces are within you that are part of the story and the narrative that you're holding on to that create a bit of your identity, your self-identity, that then causes you to feel attached 
to the expectations and the meanings and the past experiences that honestly kind of create the filters and the lenses that you're viewing things through now and even upcoming in the future that then keep reinforcing. So do you see how this becomes just this loop over and over and over again that keeps happening? And so part of the strategy is one, take a look at who you are at the core without the roles that you play. Two, take a look at what you like about yourself and love about yourself. What are your phenomenal, beautiful, positive, amazing qualities that you really love and like about yourself? Three, What are some of the qualities about yourself that you're not so crazy about, that you feel like you could improve upon, that don't really represent the best and highest version of you, the most fully expressed from body, heart, mind, and soul? Three. No, that's three. So number four, then take a look at who your ideal partner is. If you're looking for a relationship, if it's a job, what would your ideal job look like? If it's a place to live, what would your ideal place to live look like? Pick your ideal something, whether it's your ideal day, your ideal partner, your ideal place to live, your ideal job, your ideal financial situation. I don't care what it is. My ideal blank and visualize it. Imagine it. Take a look at it. And as you're doing that and you find that there's triggers or fears or negatives coming up, take a step back, pause, and ask yourself where those triggers are really coming from. Are they coming from your own true beliefs or are they coming from your past conditioning, that past narrative, those lenses that you're viewing things through, whether it's through the expectations, the woulda, shoulda, couldas, the past experiences, all of that creates a body of who you are today. And then question, when your mind is going to that place and using that filter and that lens, question it and go, is this really a reality? Just because it has been in the past, does this have to be my reality today? Or can I change that? And if so, how can I begin to do that? Because trust me when I tell you, you are more powerful than you know. And you have all of that within you. I often tell clients when I see them for the very first time, that I'm not the expert and I don't have the answers. They are. I can't possibly be the expert of anybody else's life but my own. And sometimes I'm barely the expert of my own life. And I also tell them not to trust me. And I've had other colleagues ask me like, God, isn't the whole therapeutic process about trusting though and feeling safe? Like, why would you tell them very first session not to trust me? And it's simply because of this whole episode and what I just explained. I don't want them to trust me because if they are trusting me right off the bat, then they're giving their power away to me as the expert, as someone who knows better, who believes that they are broken and need fixing or believes there is something wrong with them. And when I offer that up to them, I explain this to them as I'm explaining it to you now. And I say, I don't want you to trust me. Because I want you to take the things that I offer up, the guidance, the way I hold the space, whatever I appear to offer up to you, and really sit with it and see if it resonates for you in your heart, mind, body, and soul. And then trust that piece for yourself, because you're the one that's making a decision about whether it resonates for you or not. I can't tell you how to feel, think, behave, or be. And so when I say, don't trust me, It's simply that I will always offer up the best of my abilities to you. I will always hold a space of love and compassion and empathy and honor. And at the same time, 
I will meet you where you're at. And if you're in that very scared, frightened place where you don't know how to detach or surrender, I will teach you how to do that very safely, lovingly, and compassionately. And you will come to a place of trust on your own that allows you the empowerment and the freedom and the awareness that says you are this powerful divine being who can fully spiritually express as this human having a spiritual experience and as this spiritual being having a human experience. And that's all we can hope for. So I hope that you have taken away some good nuggets from today's show. If you're struggling or having any difficulty with it, with this at all, please reach out to me directly. Go to my website, susandesenzi.com. And just hit the contact form and reach out to me and let me know you're struggling. And we will have a conversation. It's not a pitch. It's not a sales call. It's not any of that kind of shit. It's just a conversation between two human beings who have been there, done that, and walked the walk and talked the talk and struggled and fallen down in the holes. And together we'll find those ways for you to get up and keep moving forward on that path that is your life. Because I know that you are a divine being in human form, and you are meant for so much more. Anything is possible. And you are capable of walking this journey and this path as a fully spiritually expressed human being. So I hope you've enjoyed today's show. I love you so much. Thank you so much for being here. And I'll see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to another episode of The Spiritually Expressed Human a place where we come together to navigate the human experience as the fully spiritually expressed divine human badasses we were all meant to be. If you liked what you heard on today's show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on the platform of your choice so that together we can share this out to the world and make the impact we're all here to make. If you'd like more information or just to touch base with me, please go to susandesunzi.com and explore and grab yourself some free gifts while you're there. Thank you so much for listening.